0: Welcome back to another episode of. <laughs> you were going to do it again.
1: You were going to do it again. The the, the thing, you know. So you, you're uh, king of the Enneagram podcast, Creek. Yeah, uh, you can't even. Keep I even and
0: I even do like the same vocal inflections. So I need hey. to figure out how to how to differentiate it. But anyways, welcome to another episode of the Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. My name is Creek, and along with me, I have two of my favoriteest enneagram people in the world maria jose munita and mario sakura wow that that was a
2: nice (laughs) introduction um be nice sometimes
0: favoritist enneagram
1: people is like something an analogy i just heard today it's like being the tallest building in schenectady right um well, is a small town in new york you know with not a lot of tall buildings so you know being the tallest building doesn't mean that don't much. ruin it for me Out of the, mario uh, yeah. i thought it was nice Sorry.
2: i felt good okay. about it so what do you need is, as an introduction great. mario uh, what would satisfy that, that your works.
1: I'm, I'm happy to be, I'm happy to be the tallest building in sky. <laughs> okay. Um,
0: so this episode kind of came up, it's a little off what we were planning on doing, but I had a thought occurred to me and it led to some, some, some good, some good thoughts, um, and why awareness to action does the things that they do. Um, and honestly what frustrates most people. So, so what frustrates of- most people about what we do or uh, what uh, yeah i'm curious yeah
1: okay
0: the just that you think that's that's the issue <laughs> most of the time um no uh so pattern of expression the the biggest issue that most people have is that you have a set order and right. we've talked a little bit about not necessarily why but what you've observed uh so i brought up the question of if you all had actually thought through, is there an advantage on some level for the stacking, to, or the pattern of expression to be as it is? So, is is it actually an advantage for navigators to have an indifference to preserving, or something like that? So, just take it from there, and uh, we'll rehash, we'll rehash this conversation that we already had.
1: Yeah. So it's 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 a. Great question. It's one we've talked about a number of times over the years, right? I mean, we've looked into this. But first, before we even jump into that, I want to say, I want to comment on something else you said there around the ordering right? And we specifically try to avoid the word ordering and focus on what we call pattern of expression for very specific reasons. And I can give a really vivid example of this. So a lot of people talk about stacking, right? So I'm most this, I'm most that, you know, second, most, this second, most, third thing. And we don't like that metaphor because it, Treats them as independent things. And what we're saying is that these instinctual domains express themselves in us in a particular way a zone of enthusiasm, a zone of inner conflict, and a zone of indifference. Okay. Now, if you want to call that a stack and if you want to call that, you know, an ordering, first, second, third, that's fine. But we're not thinking about it at one, two, three. We're thinking about it as just this way. This way and this way.
2: Can you can you okay. do that without and, less visual? But yeah, word? but yeah, that, that,
1: that, <laughs> there you go. So for, for for dear listener, I was making circles with my hand right? Yes. right. So um, so again, the idea being that okay, these instinctual behaviors manifest themselves or express themselves in us in particular ways, and it's not it's about that rather than the order. Okay. Now, also, we always tell people you have to look at our definitions of what we're saying, okay, instead of thinking about other definitions, right? And I was doing a workshop recently on, on Zoom and discussing this very thing. And a woman says to me, Well, you know, when I look at your definitions and your terminology, the pattern you describe fits me, but that's not my sequence, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, OK, all I'm saying is that according to these definitions and these, you know, terms, here's how it works. I'm not talking about what your internal experience of yourself is. OK, I'm talking about how these things manifest themselves in the way I'm describing. All right. So uh, for me, that was a good you know, example of people getting frustrated Because when they understand our terminology, they see it. And if they're still stuck in other terminology that they're trying to force into it, or if they're looking at how they feel rather than how these things actually show themselves in their lives, they won't see it. Okay.
2: And I want to stress the point that you said that it's what people get frustrated about. But it is the people who are really kind of wedded. To another approach, when we work with clients or with people who are not familiar with the approach, with the enneagram, there's no resistance. It makes sense pretty easily. And what's interesting to me is that if people would relax into these concepts and give it a try, they would see how useful it is. And and that's a to me it's. Not even sad, but I wish that people would be more open to it because it is really practical.
1: And you know what? There's a part of me that doesn't really care if other people adopt it because when it comes to using the enneagram in organizations, it gives us a competitive advantage that I'm happy to have. um, You know, of understanding how these things
0: actually work in the real world. So, you know, so help me a little bit more. So it's not stacking; it's pattern of expression. But immediately, and this is just an issue with a lot of different things, but the it's hard not to think of them as one, two, three. So are they all on level ground? Like, are they all glasses in front of you and you just tend to pick one up more than the other one? Is it like a rate of flow where, for me, navigating is like all the way open and then... Yeah. I, like what give me give me an analogy that's more level and not as hierarchy
1: so so for me here's the analogy so imagine you could score a point for every time you think about one of these instinctive issues uh, every time you act on one every time you pay attention to one okay so there's something tallying that, you know or keeping track of your attention okay and you plot that on a graph, you're going to see a trend line. And you're going to see that much more of your attention, much more of those points are tracking to one of these domains than the other two. And there will probably be a disproportionate, and I'm just making numbers up here. Don't hold me to these numbers, but it might look like 60, 30, 10. But The reason we don't like to think of them as stacking is because there's a lot of interweaving in these things. And we very often do, you know, for example, as navigators, we'll do preserving things in a navigating way or to satisfy a navigating need. So what are you giving that point to in our scoring system here? Right. Even though it's a preserving activity, are you really giving it, you know, should it get a preserving point or should it get a navigating point, et cetera? Right. So it's messy, right? It's, it's again, you know, if we go back to our turnip stew analogy, you know, (laughs) it's, (laughs) you know, it's like, where does the turnip end and the beef begin? Okay. All right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) right.
1: (laughs) So I know that it's tempting to think of stacking, right? And that's the path to simplistic thinking in my view. Okay. If you get caught in that analogy becoming the real thing. And so we have somebody like this person saying, Oh, well, when I look at it, the way you define it, that's me, but that's not my sequence. Right. Because, you know, I have this definition in my mind.
2: Yeah. It's more a profile than this ordering. And we've, We've evolved. I mean, we used to, no, not, never call it stacking, yeah. but ordering. We would call it primary. Yes. We
1: would talk about ordering, ordering that primary, secondary. Yeah. yeah.
2: And yeah. we keep seeing how it is more complex than that. And it's pretty much navigators, preservers, and, and transmitters manifest each domain in a different way. And it's not... Necessarily, which one is first? Because, for example, as a navigator, I might be doing and paying attention to a lot of navigating things without noticing. So, if you ask me to to plot those points on the on the chart, I might not even notice that I'm thinking about those things. So it is tricky, as Mario was saying, and to me it helps to think about it as a profile uh, rather than me with three different aspects that are independent they're not independent
0: when you say profile can you explain can you define that how you're how you're seeing it
2: so so again continuing with the navigator it's you have navigating and you as mario was saying before you transmit in particular ways so i might be doing a lot of transmitting like like now i'm launching it my website, and doing more, I'm more active on social media, but I am doing it as a navigator. I am not doing it as a transmitter would. I think about what my audience, what are they going to think, uh, I'll do it. It's a stretch for me. It, it is a different way of transmitting. I'm more inhibited in terms of how much I say about myself, so it is different, and then preserving I need to do, but I do as a navigator. So it's very different from a preserver and how a transmitter would preserve. So my profile as a navigator includes navigating in a particular way, transmitting in a particular way, preserving in a particular way.
1: Yeah, people often seem to think of it as almost switching in some way, right? Um, you know, I'm being self-pres now, but now I'm being navigating, and now I'm, you know, or social, or now I'm being this, as if, you know, again, it's like three different subway stops almost, you know, that I, you know, visit instead of just being, you know, this soup of complexity that has particular patterns that we see, mm-hmm. and the other thing, Creek, is. For the clients that we work with who never get introduced to this idea of a stack or never get introduced to this idea of one, two, or three, it's not an issue, right? Mm -hmm. The the, the ideas tend to serve as an anchor, you know, and we could talk about anchoring biases about how once you get an idea in your head, you keep sort of getting drawn back to it subconsciously. Uh, So that the idea of stacking or the idea of, you know, one, two, and three are an anchor that you know, people struggle to get rid of.
0: Would the would an analogy work in which you had zone of enthusiasm like as the the big lenses in front of you, and then on either eye is the transmitting and preserving, and you're just normally using one eye more than the other? Because it's we we're always doing the other two in our zone of enthusiasm. Correct? Like I'm always going to be navigating as Uh, or I'm always going to be preserving or transmitting as a navigator. So there seems to be some sort of lens that is primary.
1: So There is. And here's a better analogy for me that I'd like to, to, to introduce. Every supermarket, at least in the U.S., that you go into, you walk in the front door and the produce is usually on the right side. Right. Um, And, you know, other stuff on the left, they're designed pretty much the same way. Now, sometimes you'll see it backwards, but the idea is it's because they know when people walk in to a supermarket, there's going to be this bias to turn right. Okay, And so when most people walk into the supermarket to do their shopping, they just that's just what they naturally do. Now, if you go to the supermarket because all you need is ice cream and a gallon of milk, you'll sort of pull yourself out of it and you won't make that right turn, but instead you'll go to wherever the, those you know, those products are. Okay. So it's kind of the same, you know, for me, is that we just tend to go that way unless there's some reason not to. Right. Uh, and that tends to be circumstantial. So, so for me, it's about attention and, you know, and, and I, I, I like your analogy, but again, I think it, it involves a bit more switching, right? Rather than just intentionality and attention and direction.
2: He didn't, it's he didn't working, like
1: right? it. So it's it's didn't not. it. It's not uh, helping you. Huh? Yeah. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Keep going.
0: Vic, well, yeah, I don't want to like take, take the whole episode pushing yeah, on right. this, but because at least in that and maybe the analogies always break down. I realize that. But yeah. even in that like it's not that you're going to pick up milk while holding vegetables right? or like ha- while like taking the vegetable <laughs> area with you, you know? Like right. how 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 can you go pick up yeah. milk this through is the vegetable aisle. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Uh, This is true, right? And again, you know, uh, you're right. All analogies will... you know, uh, fix that. Now we could imagine that our, you know, our shopper is a, is a vegetarian, right? And so, no, no I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> it was only a joke. Yes, right. Um, yeah, you know, they're all going to break down. So
2: yeah. So, so let me share one. Maybe, no, no, so the, just, yeah, go
0: ahead. We're just going to keep stabbing. Yeah. And
2: see what well, happens. no,
1: it's, it's fine. No, because I think this it is, is important. important. So, let, so, so it a try.
2: to me, what, yeah. If I think of a profile, think about people from different states in the US. So they all do pretty much the same amount, I mean, the same things. Everybody eats, everybody uh, works, but they are different kind of cultures where they approach things in different ways. Now, if you think about different countries and you think about, I don't know, China or Germany and the States, you probably get people doing similar things, but through different lenses with different values and things like that. To me, it's more like that. So they're all, all human mm-hmm. beings, but they have a different culture that shapes the way in which, in what they, I mean, the way in which they address things, they prioritize, they what they value. But it's a set. Of things that make them, from China, from Germany, or like from that culture, to me, it's more like that.
1: Actually, something popped in my mind, and I, and I like that, Maria Jose. And for me, uh, language is another example. And so you're you're a good example, right? So you're multilingual, okay? Uh, unlike me, and so you think in Spanish. But there are times when you don't, right? There are times when you think in English and that will be a little bit different. And when you speak, even if you're speaking English, it still carries some of, uh, you know, the Spanish accent to it, the Chilean accent and specifically, right? So it has this flavor, even though you're speaking English, you're still mm. doing it as a native Spanish speaker. And I think you speak a bit of French too, right, or something. So, uh, at least for the purposes of our analogy, let's pretend you do. German, but uh, if you, uh, you know, want to, well. <laughs> okay, Germany. So, right. So, so, so again, that the German would, you know, there might be circumstances where you would just naturally go into a language, right? And I know for you, there's a lot of situations where you just naturally go into English, and even think in English. But there's still this overlay of Spanish in your mind okay uh, for me uh, i learned some ukrainian and my and my wife's family is ukrainian and when our kids were little we were you know trying to have them learn ukrainian and i for years would you know reprimand my kids in ukrainian without thinking about it okay now if somebody who actually speaks ukrainian is hearing me doing it they're going to say geez, that you know is pretty crappy ukrainian but it just kind of happened you know but it was ukrainian through the lens of somebody who speaks english from the u.s okay so
2: which analogy did you prefer Craig? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um <laughs> they were both awesome you can go ahead and say that <laughs>
0: no i i think i mean they're they're both hitting mm, they're hitting better we can uh, agree that it was both of them were better than my supermarket <laughs> analogy right? yes okay. all right good um let him talk I thought we agreed you not using food analogies on this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, th- that that helps a little bit more, and I think that's a little bit clearer and doesn't break down as quickly. Jerome Leva uses a similar uh, analogy uh, where, where he he talks about centers of intelligence and type and subtype and that sort of thing, and and equates it to like your country, your like county, yeah. your or you're yeah. like, you're home. Yeah. Just like that sort of yeah. analogy and me going to Paris. I'm always going to be an American in, in Paris exactly. as much as I don't want to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what that represents. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that, yeah, that is helpful for me. All right. So we're coming... I'm going to bring us back to kind of the original thing. <laughs> the original 20, question. Yeah. 23 yeah. minutes in, yeah. um, <laughs> which is the original question of is there any sense of the pattern of expression and you jumped into what I felt like talking about. Well, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> but it was the evolutionary advantage of it
2: that you were yeah. asking Yeah. So is there an if- evolutionary advantage?
0: Yeah. Is there, and then you said, you said like there, there may be, but we don't teach that because, and then you yeah. can take it from there.
1: So, so, so I'll, I'll, touch on that. So uh, Marie-Jose and I talked about this, uh, you know, a number of times over the years. Is there a cause to this pattern, right? Is And people love to look for causes, right? There's just something in human nature that seeks causation. And we tend to project causation all over the place, right? It's actually a a trick of the mind called agenticity, where we look for some agency behind everything that happens, some cause. And it's easy to settle on identifying a causal mechanism. Oh, I'm an eight because this happened to me in my childhood or that happened to me, or I'm a four because this happened or that happened. And those are what uh Rudyard Kipling referred to as Just So Stories right he wrote a a book of uh short stories called The Just So Stories that retroactively explained why a zebra had a long neck and why a rhinoceros had a horn and an elephant had a trunk and all these sort of things because you can't prove it wrong right it's just, but it's a convenient mm-hmm. story and so we could say we could you know we could look at say the transmitting domain So if somebody's transmitting, it makes sense. Now, again, I'm creating a just-so story here. I'm not stating a fact or even an opinion. Mm -hmm. It makes sense from one perspective that if I want to transmit things, I have to have low inhibition, okay, because otherwise I won't express myself. Now, where does our inhibition tend to come from? from the navigating domain where we worry about what people are thinking, right? We're reading the minds of others, okay, and assessing how they're assessing us so that we can modify our behavior accordingly. Well, if I want to be a s- effective transmitter, there's a certain logic we could suggest that says, well, then it makes sense that navigating would be last. As a navigator, it makes sense that preserving would be last. Preserving is all about staying safe in the nest, right? Navigating is all about going out and seeing what's happening outside of the nest. Uh, With preserving, if staying safe and, you know, holding on to my resources and staying under the radar is what is satisfying to me, Well, then it makes sense that I don't bring a lot of attention to myself, because what does that do? Well, it it attracts the eyes of predators, right? It attracts the eyes of people who will take advantage of us and threaten us and so forth. Okay, so we could assume a logic to this and we could feel really good about rationalizing it and justifying it and saying that's why this happens, but I just made that stuff up.
2: Yeah. And it would be so much easier to get people to buy. <laughs> to, buy
1: yeah, to buy into it. Yeah, to
2: buy into it. Because they they people, we all love to hear these just so stories. That it makes sense. Oh, then it's true because there's a story around it. It would be a lot easier for us yeah. to teach it that way. But we resist yeah. it.
1: Because they're non-falsifiable. Right. And, and, and so every so often, you know, a new theory comes along. Right. So th- these types are like this and those types are like that because of, you know, uh, attachment theory or object relations or something. And yeah, it's a good story. Uh, no way to falsify it. OK. Mm. And false. And when it comes to science, you know, most of science is based on the idea of falsification. Right. The Karl Popper idea of I want to try and disprove something. We well, can't disprove that. Mm -hmm. so interesting idea might be true might not be true so let's just focus on what we can empirically observe and what the relevance of it is and what we can do about it
2: yeah and if we go back Mm -hmm. to the profile idea we see these profiles where there are this set of characteristics do we know if one is the cause of the other or if they're together because one triggers the other one in a particular way we have no idea We just know that they are there
0: and it doesn't harm anything to, to look into those things, right? To attachment theory or object relations. And in a lot of ways it it can show some light on some really great things that will help you grow, but knowing how to hold that is what we're talking about. Yes.
1: Uh, Look, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, criticizing any of those ideas, right? They're all useful in their own right. But we have to be careful about leaps of inference. Okay. And this is the thing that always, you know, a leap of inference is, okay, I know this to be true. What can I infer from that? Yeah. Okay. And you know, small leaps of inference are useful. Big leaps of inference are dangerous. And we have to recognize when we are really just kind of speculating. Okay. I, I, I was at a, um, listening to a talk, you know, some months ago, and the people were, they were talking about the history of the Enneagram, and they'd say, now, we're not claiming this is true, but if it was, then boom right? Hmm. Well, okay, maybe, but that's just a thought experiment, right? It doesn't prove anything. There's a, um, a a writer named Robert Wright, who's written about Buddhism and science and some other things. And I remember listening to an interview with him where he would say, now I'm not saying that evolution works this way, but if it did, then this would be the next thing. And then this would be, and I was like, well, well, wait a minute, time out, dude. You know, I, I can't put any weight on that if it did then, because we don't know if it does or not.
2: Yeah, and some people take it too, yeah, they draw too many many implications out of it. I remember years ago, somebody, uh, she was my teacher, and we were talking about my type at the beginning, and I, for some reason, I took this assessment and I came out of as a seven, and, she said, "No, oh, you can't be a seven because that would mean that your mother was uh, neglected the kind of teaching you or neglected yeah. being loving with you. And it's like, really? So they take it as a fact and it's dangerous.
0: Well, I'm not saying I can fly, but if I could. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you would come to Chile. Yeah.
0: I would come Get to the, Chile right the, away. So you're coming,
2: um, Craig. That's what I'm hearing, yeah. <laughs> right?
0: Some, someday, yes, <laughs> yes.
1: So, uh, so I, th- I think, you know, it, it's helpful to talk about, you know, why critical thinking skills are so important in general for people working with the Enneagram, right? I mean, because, again, understanding that falsification is one of the fundamental principles of science um, helps us to not be too wowed by an embracing of leaps of inference
0: right uh, or just so stories so as we close out this episode uh, we we're going to be talking about a, a little bit more in depth as an introduction to some of these concepts in the next episode and then in in the future we'll have more in-depth episodes about sp- 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 bleh, specific ways in which we can think critically about the enneagram so tune in next week for more clear thinking. Thanks for listening to the Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. If you're interested in more information or talking to Mario, MJ, or myself, feel free to reach out to us through the links in the show notes or by emailing info at awareness to action.com. All episode transcriptions and further information can be found at awareness to slash podcast. uh, in your approach, but I know Jerome Lubba, um, who does some neuroscience and, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't
1: mean, I didn't mean to break character there.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> we should edit
1: that piece yeah,
2: no, maybe. Visual. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Whew>. <laughs> Here we go. Here
1: we go. <laughs> For more awesome metaphors from Mario. i
0: will
2: leave them there.
0: Let's, let's.
2: Uh, yeah. mm-hmm.